0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Zachary Hine and it's time to listen to the Sounds of the Stater. This week on Sounds of the Stater, I will talk to coach Dan McLaughlin about the new head football coach and what advice he may give him. Next, I will talk to Marquise Zones about MLK Day and what this day means to him. And finally, I will go through the best of the rest, in which I will look at the other stories that will go into the stater. You're listening to episode number one of The Sounds of the Stater. One aspect of becoming a new head football coach is to get advice from an older football coach, so to speak. Join me now to give advice to the new head coach, John McMinneman and hopefully to describe his tenure as the WSC football coach, is the former coach of our Wildcat football team, Coach Dan McLaughlin. How are you doing, Coach? I'm good, thank you, how are you today? I'm good. Now before we talk about Coach John McMinnan, I would like to ask you some questions about your tenure. First, how would you like to describe your tenure as the head coach of our Wildcat football team? Well,
1: uh, um, I was here 15 years. Um, that's that's quite a long time mm-hmm. uh, to be in one position, especially for a college football coach. Um, the uh, The changes that were uh, that we oversaw or, or were a part of in those 15 years were pretty dramatic. Um, uh, comparing the job as as it was when I took it, as it is now, as I leave, uh, is um, just it's really not even in the same arena. It's like apples and oranges. We uh, um, you know, we took a job that, that had, uh, 14 scholarships and only two assistant coaches and very poor facilities. And, uh, um, uh, you know, now coach McMenamin is, is, uh, on his way to, to being fully funded, uh, through the help of, of, of our president, uh, Ramis, uh, who has provided a lot of tremendous leadership, our, our director of athletics, Mr. Pawicki, um, and then of course, uh. The, so many friends and, and donors and, and people who have, who in the background who have contributed uh, uh, money and, and guidance and support to the program over the years. And so now the you know the facilities are as good as any in Division two. Um, as I said, they're on their way to being fully funded scholarship wise. They've added uh, another assistant coach uh, in addition to the one that was added when I was here. So now they're up to, to four full-time assistants, which is fabulous um, it's, it's really a good position to be in, but from, from what I, uh, initially took 15 years ago, it's, 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 uh, almost a million miles. So, um, it's, it's been real gratifying to be a part of that. Um, I love the college. I, I, I love the city. Um, it's been, a, it's been a great experience for my wife and I, and, and, uh, just really gratified to have been a part of it. All right. Thank you very much, Coates. Now you
0: mentioned to me before this interview started that you signed Coach McMinniman as an OC that's offensive coordinator uh, five
1: years ago Uh, how would you like to describe uh, Coach McMinniman well he he was outstanding Um, he had been the offensive coordinator at Midland University in Fremont Um, Scott McLaughlin my son who was our defensive coordinator had uh, been with with John at uh, at UNO um, back when Scott was playing at UNO and John was a graduate assistant there um, under uh, Pat Burns, and so um, there was a bit of a connection there. Uh, we were looking for an offensive coordinator. Uh, Scott asked if I was going to to uh, consider John, and I didn't even know John. I, I was friends with his dad, uh, Joe McMenamin, who was the longtime head football coach at Central High School in Omaha, and. Uh, so I, I just gave John a call. Uh, we we met over a period of a couple of three days uh, talking football and life in general and uh, just really hit it off. We we became good friends as well as, as co-workers. He did a great job here. Uh, he was here four years as our offensive coordinator. He coached quarterbacks. Um, he called the plays. Uh, he did all the game plans. Um, in addition to that, I, I gave him more and more responsibility every year in terms of of things that a head coach does, uh, organizational things, you know, background things that that uh, you know he seized, uh, you know, by taking the bull by the horns and just doing a great job with it, and just knew that he had a very bright future uh, as a football coach at some point. Uh, he then left to go to Central Missouri. Um, the head coach down there is Jim Sobota, another good friend of of mine and John's. Uh, Jim was the offensive coordinator at Northwest Missouri State when John played there, so they had a extensive background. Um, so he went to central Missouri in Warrensburg um, and did a great job down there. Uh, twice they led the nation in offense, uh, including this past year where they made the playoffs and, and uh, won a first round game. Um, so uh, against Indianapolis, uh, John just did a great job. And so uh, uh, you know, when I retired, uh, uh, Mr. Powicki had, uh, you know, taken note of that as well when John was here and uh, that connection, of course, was still there. And so, you know, long story short, he's now our head coach. And, uh, and I, I think he's the right man for the job. I think Mr. Pawicki is thrilled with the hire. I know John is thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled that he's here. Um, and I think he's just going to do a great job. That's good. I
0: really like how Division Two football is really a close, tight-knit family. Wouldn't you say so, Coach McLaughlin?
1: Well, that's true. I, but it's, it's not just Division II. It's It's football in general it's a it's a very small fraternity um they just had their national convention last week and uh it, it just seems like everybody knows somebody who knows somebody and it's just a, a really tight um tight-knit um, fraternity of uh, of professionals and uh it's uh it's it's gratifying that that uh, you get to know and be friends with so many people um you know just uh, not to Put myself in the limelight or glow or anything, but there's been a lot of uh, you know press and obviously over uh, Joe Burrow, the the you know the quarterback at LSU, the Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, all of that. Well, his dad Jimmy and I are really good friends. You know, we were at uh, Nebraska together, and and um, uh, I've known him forever, and so just just those little things that you you know that you get to uh, text or communicate with, with 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 good friends around the country and as i said uh, jim swoboda the head coach at central missouri and i have been friends for for over 30 years and so when john went there there were no hard feelings and i don't think there's any hard feelings now that he left to come back you know, just cuz we're all we're all uh, colleagues and and friends as well so yes it is a very tight tight knit fraternity that's really lovely to hear now you mentioned
0: that he was your oc 5 years ago um what was his style of play like? Like, do you think he did a good job as an OC?
1: I thought he was amazing. Yeah, he did a tremendous job. He's very, very good with quarterbacks. Of course, he played quarterback himself. And so he's a very good coach of, of, of quarterbacks and teaching the game. You know, there's no more important position in all of sports than quarterback on a football team. And, you know, that played itself out this year with, the, with college football. And, uh, um, you know, John's a, v- a great mentor um yeah, but he uh the things that he does offensively uh to the untrained eye don't look really a whole lot different than than what than what uh, people do nowadays it's mostly one tight end three wide outs single back shotgun um the you know the famed RPO, the run pass option game uh but he does some extra things with tight ends that that a lot of people don't do uh, he plays a lot of double tights um he'll do a little bit of two back so it, it's a, it's a different offense. It's not the same as everybody else, so it presents its own problems. And he's very very good with it. All right.
0: Now, off the record, you mentioned something about you know scholarships and recruiting. Um, does Coach McMenamin have a good uh, recruiting background, or what do you see his future in that? Because I know
1: Wayne State is notable for that. Well, he's, he's outstanding. Uh, you know, the best example I can give you is, is the, uh, the quarterback at Central Missouri this year who was a Harlan Hill finalist, which is the Division II Heisman Trophy, and the, and the wide receiver, uh, first-team All-American, are both from Nebraska. The, the quarterback was from Lincoln North Star. Uh, the wide receiver was, was from Millard West uh, in Omaha. Um, both of those kids are All-Americans. Central Missouri had never recruited in Nebraska before until John went down there, and he recruited both those kids to Central, to Warrensburg. And so uh, that tells you a little bit about how good he is with recruiting. Yeah, it sounds very good. Now, um,
0: what advice would you give uh, Coach McMinnman for areas that you think he needs to shore up on, if you know there are any?
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know that uh, I have any, an, any great advice other than be yourself. The the best thing about John, I think, is how personable he is. He's a great guy, uh, very friendly. Uh, gets along well with a lot of people. Um, he's very level-headed. Um, uh, you know, if he's if he's angry or if he's upset, it's very hard to tell. He doesn't show his emotions really readily, like maybe like I do, and uh, so that's uh, not always a good thing. But for him, it's it's awesome. Um, like I said, he he gets along well with a wide range of people. I think he's going to be great in the community. And I think that's important that that you get out and and, and you know the, Wayne is a great community. I've made some of the best friends of my life in this town, and I think he will as well. Um, you know he'll be at the golf course. He's going to be downtown. He's going to be visible. He's going to be in the grocery store. Uh, you're going to know who he is, and he'll uh, you know, he'll be out at the county fair, and you know he's going to be down at Chicken Days, and he's going to be participating in all that stuff, and. I, and I just think he'll do a great job, and if I have any advice for him, it's to just be himself and continue to do those kind of things. All right. Well, thank you very much, Coach McLaughlin.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That was Coach McLaughlin com- talking about about Coach McMiniman. Coming up, we have the MLK Day story on Sounds of the Stater. Welcome back to Sounds of the Stater. Here at WSC, there are many important days for our college students. One such important day that perhaps flies under the radar is MLK Day. Joining me now to talk about his view of MLK Day and why it shouldn't fly under the radar is senior Marquise Jones. Marquise, how are you? Good, how you doing, Zach? I'm really good. All right, here's the first question. When you hear the name MLK, What comes to your
2: mind? Uh, Well, Martin Luther King Jr. was like a, he was a racial legend, like a leader. He was a huge inspiration to a lot of people in our culture. A lot of people don't really understand like the real effects that he had on how we live our lives today. Before that, they were still chasing us with dogs and spraying us with fire hoses. So, I mean, after him, he changed our entire livelihood and everything that we live for now.
0: All right. He sounds very important.
2: Now, in years past, WSC hasn't
0: had MLK Day Off. As a member of the African-American population at
2: WSC, how does that make you feel? I mean, I'm glad that we have it off now. Just before, you know, not a lot of... This is a predominantly Caucasian town, so maybe not a lot of people even realize that the importance of having this day off or having something to commemorate Martin Luther King Jr. is important. In my old high school, we didn't really get it off either, but my like the sister city Waterloo Iowa and Cedar Falls Iowa I went to Cedar Falls High School Waterloo would get it off and my mom worked in the school so like she was you know she was not very like always happy about the fact that I had had to take us to school still she used to make the kids in our family like me and my siblings she used to make us do things like you know write an essay and it's not even graded because it's not even for school it's because it's just for her she wants to you know she makes us do research and things like that over You know, African American figures. So I think like doing things like that is really beneficial and really good for you know just the community as a whole, just being knowledgeable.
0: Yep, it sounds very good. All right, next question. Now it seemed that the voices were a lot louder in terms of not having MLK Day off
2: last year. Why do you think that was? I think it's just the increase in diversity at the school now. I mean, over the four years, I mean, it's been really growing. When I first got here, there was not as many African-American students as there are now, and I feel like the stance finally took place because there was more African-American students here that recognized the importance of this day and recognized the importance of, you know, having events and having gatherings and having people aware of Martin Luther King Jr. and what he did for us. Yeah, we all should be aware. Now,
0: when you found out that we had MLK Day off this year, What was your
2: mindset? I mean, it was kind of like, it was almost kind of like a relief that the school finally sees it as an important day. And I think that's really, that was really good. And I think, uh, I mean, it's not like I was, you know, in my chair, like I just won the Super Bowl screaming and jumping. But, you know, I was excited. I was happy to see that. I was happy to see that the school recognizes
0: this day. All right. Now, you mentioned something about your mom. She had you do, like, essays or figures or anything. Do you think that people should do something like that or any celebrations at all in terms of MLK Day? Because clearly it needs to be commemorated, but Mm -hmm. should it be commemorated in
2: that way? I mean, maybe not every person has to write an essay, not necessarily. That's just something that my mom did because she's a teacher. So, you know, that's just the type of things that she does. Like, you know, people should be taking time to, you know, educate themselves and knowledge about knowledge be knowledgeable about things that have happened in the past and so we don't have things like that happen in the future and I think that it would be really beneficial for everyone just to have an idea of how important he really was to how we live our daily lives today you know I mean if it wasn't for Martin Luther King me and you might not be able to sit in this room together and have this conversation right now. So, I mean, maybe not writing an essay, but, you know, maybe doing something else, you know, different families have different things. I mean, so maybe just coming up with something that is important to you that makes it memorable. So, I mean, that, that's the real importance is how it feels to you is not, you know, the fact that I turned in an essay to my mom. I, you know, Google search somebody. It's that being knowledgeable
0: and, you know, being aware. All right. Now, final question. Do you think that the college will continue to have MLK Day Off in duty use, or do you think that this was a one-time thing?
2: I don't think this was a one-time thing. I think it'll keep, we'll continue to have it off in future years. And, and you know, it kind of makes me proud to be a part of a community that's growing and becoming more aware of their situation and becoming more aware of this holiday. You know, like, to see this change in my time here, you know, makes me, like, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the future and what it holds for this school. I think it's, uh, you know, all the events that they have going on are really totally awesome, like donating the tie blankets and having the movies playing. So I think those are, and to have more people culturally aware that maybe not wouldn't have been before. So I think it's really beneficial. I think it's a great thing to have going on here and a great thing to have going on in the future. Yep. That
0: is very beneficial. All right. Now that was Marquise Jones talking about the noise that MLK Day has spread around campus. Marquise, thank you for joining me
2: today. Appreciate it, Zach. Glad to be up here.
0: Glad to have you here. Up next, we have the best of the rest on Sounds of the Stater. Welcome back to Sounds of the Stater. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, let's look at the best of the rest. Best of the rest is the segment of the podcast in which I look at the other stories going into the Wayne Stater, and I talk about the highlights of each of those stories. Firstly, take flight at the Wayne Municipal Airport in the new Redbird Flight Simulator. The Redbird Flight Simulator is complete with all of the controls of the cockpit of an actual plane. It will seem as if you are flying an actual plane. Next, the Dean of Business and Technology, Vaughn Benson, is retiring and returning to teaching. This position is now open. The 1988 Hazelwood School District versus Kuhlmeyer Supreme Court decision was an impactful one. Every year on January 29th, Student Press Freedom Day offers support to student journalists to protect them from threats. And finally, let's talk about the men's and women's basketball teams. Our Wildcat women have fared better this season with a 13-5 record that is a 7-2-2 win percentage and are 8-4 in the NSIC. The men, meanwhile, have a 6-15 record that is a 286 win percentage and are 3-9 in the NSIC. Over the Christmas break, our Wildcat women fared better with a 5-3 and three record, losing all three of their games in close fashion. On December 14th, they lost to Minnesota Crookston 65-66. On January 3rd, they lost to Sioux Falls 70-78, and on January 10th, they lost to Winona State 75-83. Meanwhile, the men had a one and seven record over Christmas break. Their lone win came to Winona State on January 10th. They won in triple overtime 102 to 97. These are my players to watch in the back half of the season. For the men, I really like number 20, Benjamin Dentlinger, and number 32, Jordan Jansen. Both men are six foot seven inches tall and both are forwards. Dentlinger is a junior out of New London, Iowa, and Jansen is a sophomore out of Lincoln, Nebraska. When I was younger, I used to love watch big men on the court, and none, and none get bigger than these two. But if you like playmakers, well then ladies and gentlemen, you'll like Nick Farini. He is a six foot five sophomore guard from Omaha, Nebraska. I loved watching him last season, and he was all over the court. I can't wait to see what he does in the back half of the season. Speaking of the Winona State game, he was all over the court and was instrumental in helping them win. Some stats of his from that game, he scored 29 points, he played 46 minutes, and he attempted 19 field goals at Winona State. Ladies and gentlemen, if that doesn't give you a drive to win, then I don't know what does. For the Wildcat women, I really like number 22 Erin Norling. She is a five foot eleven junior forward from Loretto, Minnesota. If you wanna win, then she's the athlete that will help you to get it done. But just because on the basketball court it helps to be tall doesn't mean that you should. For example, take a look at number 31 Josie Ryan. She is a freshman guard out of La Vista, Nebraska, and she is only five foot nine. but don't let her height fool you, she is a bulldog on the court. She has scored a high of 21 points versus Upper Iowa, played 35 minutes at Black Hills State, made 10 field goals versus Upper Iowa, attempted 13 field goals at Upper Iowa, made 2 field goals at Winona State, and rebounded Nine times at Black Hill State, ladies and gentlemen. That is a bulldog. Now, I mentioned that Josie Ryan may be a bulldog, but Hallie Bussy, she is a pit bull. She is a pit bull, ladies and gentlemen. Number 23, Bussy is a junior point guard out of Winthrop, Minnesota, and she is only five foot five. But do not, I repeat, do not let her height fool you, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, she is a Pitbull on the court. I like to compare her to Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy Bogues was the shortest basketball player ever to play the game, standing at only five foot three. But he didn't let his height stop him. He was an absolute pitbull on the court, and that's exactly who Bussy is. This weekend, the Wildcats will play up in Minnesota on Friday, January twenty-fourth. The men and women will play at Mankato versus the Maverick. The women will tip off at 5.30, while the men tip off at 7.30. On January 25th, they will play at St. Paul versus the Concordia St. Paul Golden Bears. The women tip off at 3.30, the men at 5.30. If you're up in the Minnesota area, or if you just want to watch the Wildcat men's and women's basketball teams compete, well then come up and cheer them on. That's all for this week, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you enjoyed this inaugural episode of Sounds of the Stater. If you want to listen to this podcast again, click on the link on the Stater website and also the Stater app. You can also go directly to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm, and search for my podcast, Sounds of the Stater. These episodes will also air on our radio station, Your Music Authority, 919 The Cat, on Fridays at 2 p.m. To read these stories in their complete form, pick up a Wayne Stater in every building on campus and most places around Wayne, Nebraska. Thank you all once again, and I hope you tune in next week. I've been Zachary Hine, and this has been Sounds of the Stater.